0: Bang, bang, that awful sound. Bang, bang, my baby shot me down. Seasons came and changed the time. When I grew up, I called him mine always laugh and say remember when we used to play bang bang i shot you down bang bang you hit the ground bang bang that awful sound bang bang i used to shoot you down
1: You're listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've yet again been left to host the podcast unsupervised. So I'm continuing to do whatever I want. And this week, I've brought a guest I'm really excited to introduce to all of you. If you're a weekly listener, you're already familiar with my other podcast project, uh, New Jersey is the World. You'll remember an early episode with one of our other co-hosts, Chris Gethard, who brought a bunch of classic songs by influential punk bands. Today, I've got another one of my co-hosts, and I'm going to let him tell you what he's brought with him. Uh, welcome to Left of the Dial, Mike D.
2: Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be the most obscure guest that you've had on your podcast. So I look forward to disappointing <laughs> your audience.
1: I I don't know that you're the most obscure. I promise you won't be the most disappointing, which sounds like I'm throwing terrible shade at, at our guests, but I was a guest on Lefto before I was a host. Um, I have a history of just kind of like barging into podcasts and then making myself... Um, official members.
2: Or well, you're really good at it. As someone who's part <laughs> podcast that you've barged into, I am I think we were all happy the day that that door blew open.
1: Oh, that's, that's so kind of you to say. So yeah. Do you want to tell us what you, who you've brought to talk about this week?
2: I'm here to talk about my favorite and most, I think underrated New Jersey musician who is Nancy Sinatra. And this has become a real cause for me. I want everyone to know about Nancy Sinatra. I want them to listen to Nancy Sinatra because it is some of the strangest, weirdest, and most beautiful pop music that has ever been made. And I feel that she has lived in the shadow of her even more famous New Jersey father, Frank Sinatra. And I think New Jersey is doing her a disservice by not uh, recognizing and listening to her music.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think it's it's funny that she's somebody that I've listened to, you know, since I was a kid growing up, but she's someone I've never really like paid kind of critical attention to until you sent the songs over that you wanted to talk to today where I was really paying attention to the lyrics as I was listening through and I was like these are so much weirder than ever really registered for me. I always
2: It's weird.
1: Yeah, I always <laughs> think of her as Carson gave me Carson one of our other um Sometimes co-host, but producer, audio engineer for New Jersey's the World, gave me the um, the category uh, like Sunday Sunday music. I think he calls it like Sunday afternoon music. And she's definitely that for me. She's someone I would like throw on and have in the background if I was cleaning or something. Um, but but again, it's just so strange in a really good way. I think so. The song our listeners heard coming in is the one that folks are probably most likely to be familiar with, and so that was Bang Bang.
2: Bang Bang is my all time favorite song. If I could only pick one song as the perfect song, it is Bang Bang. And I think.
1: Your favorite Nancy Sinatra song or favorite song? My
2: favorite song, period.
1: Awesome.
2: That is my favorite song. If I could only pick one song, I think that's a Nancy Sinatra song that a lot of people might know from Quentin Tarantino films where it's popped up before. And that song is so strange because. Okay, it's right. It's essentially a song about two kids who are playing together. And vaguely throughout the course of these songs, they establish some kind of romantic relationship as they grow older, and then one kills the other. I mean, and this was a pop song. Um, and the, <clears throat> the only instrumentation is guitar. So you have this super spring reverb and tremolo guitar playing which is played by Billy Strange, um, who was Nancy Sinatra's arranger. He was a member of the Wrecking Crew. So he's played on every pop song you could think of, you know, the Beach Boys, all that stuff. So, And it's such a haunting, creepy song for a pop song.
1: That That's one of the songs. A lot of her songs, I feel like the, the music and the lyrics are at a sort of um, like contrast where they do just sound like, I shouldn't say just, because there's nothing wrong with a song that sounds like um, kind of like sweet Pop music, right? But this one, that, that guitar is really kind of haunting.
2: The lyrics are pretty wild too, right? There's a great line in the beginning where I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. I mean, that's a odd, a strange lyric for a pop song.
1: Yeah, again, never thought about it. And I guess it's those like you know, the, like, horse head with the, like, broom handle, right? But it's right. still... That's what I think of. It's funny, too, the the line after that. Again, something I never thought about. He wore black and I wore white. He would always win the fight. But those those stories, like, black and white, you know, uh, you think of it as the good guy is we associate with white, right? And we can talk about whether or not... Or why that's problematic, whatever. Um, And, like, but he's the one who's winning the fight every time. This isn't a song. And, again, the fact that she... um, It's about the... The woman in the song being shot down that was set up from the time they were they were five and six. The narrative in this is wild.
2: And when you think about it, too, and I mean, I've listened to this song thousands of times because I love mm-hmm. it so much. She's actually speaking to you from beyond the grave, which is another wild setup for a pop song. So we've got someone... You know, when I think of the visual in my mind, um, and I know I'm sure you're sick of this because I do it all the time on New Jersey as a world, right? I picture the <laughs> well, movie commercial, you know, where there's like a ghostly woman, you know, sitting on her own gravestone and she's looking directly at the camera and telling you this story. Well, here's how yeah. it started. I was five, he was six, and now here I am. I'm a ghost coming it's, back to tell you this story.
1: <laughs> it's um the Many Saints of Newark. It's exactly how that starts, except instead of Nancy <laughs> yes. Sinatra, it's a... Uh, You'll know better than I do because I've only seen...
2: Christopher and
1: Obviously. That's right (laughs) on the tip of my tongue. That's so... uh, I don't know that funny is the word that I want, but it's definitely definitely interesting.
2: Because it's not a funny song, (laughs) but... And not at all. And I think it's one of those songs where you listen to it, and if you just listen to it once, you're like, okay, that's an interesting song. But then when you start to take it apart and actually think about what's going on here, it becomes an incredibly heavy song very quickly.
1: Yeah. She's a really interesting – is she – does she write the lyrics for for this one? Do you know?
2: I don't believe she did. And we'll talk about this with some of the other songs, but – Most of her songs, especially the ones I love, were collaborations with Lee Hazelwood. Mm -hmm. And Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood put out a series of records together that are probably my favorite stuff that she's ever done. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this is Lee Hazelwood um, stuff that he wrote.
1: Yeah. The other song, I said Bang Bang is maybe the one people know the most, but then obviously that's leaving off These Boots Are Made For Walking. Boots. Yeah. Um, And something I didn't know about that until today is that that was originally, Lee wrote that. It was going to be his song that he'd perform. And she yep. said, which is so fascinating, uh-uh. she just said, nope, nope, this is not a song for a man to sing. He said this is, you know, or she said this is, like, obviously a more powerful, cooler song if it's a, about a woman. And in the in the mid-60s, like, that's huge that she was just that, like, you know, forthright and, and ready to take it on herself.
2: That's one of the amazing things about Nancy Sinatra is she was a legitimate Trailblazer mm-hmm. coming out with songs like that those were not the songs that you know women record recording artists in this at that early in the 60s were singing and what's funny about boots is you know Lee Hazelwood is kind of this almost movie cowboy type of character mm-hmm. and so he wrote boots like a, a lot of his songs have a running cowboy theme in them you'll see but he wrote boots as a perspective of, you know, stereotype cowboy walking out of town his lady did him wrong and that whole thing and like you said and then nancy came in and was like actually let me <laughs> flip this around and tell it the way it's supposed to be told
1: i love that i love that it's it makes it it's just such a i mean obviously clearly such a better song from that perspective but i guess you know we're not really here to talk about boots we should uh talk about the next song that you've brought with you though which is sugar Tail.
0: I got some troubles, but they won't last. I'm gonna lay right down here in the grass. And pretty soon all my troubles will pass. Cause I'm in sho-sho-shoo. Shoo, shoo shoo Shoo- shoo 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 Sugar down I never had a dog that liked me some never had a friend or wanted one So I just lay back and laugh at the sun Cause I'm in shoo-shoo-shoo Shoo-shoo-shoo Shoo-shoo-shoo-shoo-shoo Sugar time I heard it also rained in Tallahassee, but not a drop fell on little old me, cause I was in Shoo 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 shoo, shush shoo, shoo, sugar town la la la
2: la la sugar town so big, this was one of her bigger pop hits as far as you know traction in the charts and and selling a good number of records This to me is where the Nancy Sinatra story starts to get weird. So if you listen to this song, both the production and the lyrics are very odd. So if you're, if you listen to the song and you're listening on headphones, you'll notice in the background, there's some weird kind of stomping going out throughout the song. That sounds like someone is hitting a two by four against the floor. And, Pop music production at that time was completely sterile and you didn't find things like this, which is why I find the the Nancy Sinatra and the Lee and Nancy stuff so interesting because there's so much weird production stuff going on in the background of these songs. Wood Bang Together, some of the other songs you'll hear Wacky Key and Tempo mm-hmm. Changes. It's almost like two songs pushed together. Um, so that's why and I like Sugartown because it has such a pop vocal to it but again if you listen to the lyrics like what is she talking about here it's, you know i'm not 100% sure but i really don't think it's you know sugar town wherever this place is
1: yeah. never had a dog that liked me some never had a friend or wanted one so i just lay back and laugh at the sun not to to like i always i the english major in me i never had a dog that liked me some is so you, what is the Have you never had a dog? What's the relationship with you and? You had one, but they just never liked you. What's the?
2: Or only liked you a tiny bit, not Not the way that a dog would normally like their, um, their owner. And and again, this is another Lee Hazelwood song, so you it does have that, you know, movie cowboy undercurrent running through it, and also. He manages to rhyme Tennessee and Tallahassee, and somehow Nancy Sinatra is able to make these sound really good as a rhyme, which, I mean, we're both big word nerds. That's not an easy thing to pull off. No,
1: no, it's not. It's, like, close enough to not be different enough that that, it's, like, this weird in-between. Yeah, but she does does do it. We're um, big fans of Genius. I should say Caleb is. um, He's usually the lyrics person on uh on the show and I'm not here and I'm just looking at a quote from Lee Hazelwood I don't typically I don't really what am what do I what am I trying to say it doesn't it doesn't always matter to me what the actual history of the song is about um but this quote from Lee Hazelwood I think is really funny I was in a folk club in LA which had two levels I could see these kids lining up sugar cubes and they had an eyedropper and were putting something on them I wasn't a doper, so I didn't know what it was, but I asked them. It was LSD. One of the kids said, you know, it's kind of Sugartown. Nancy knew what the song was about because I told her, but luckily but luckily, Reprise didn't.
2: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, right?
2: You just closed the loop for me. Like I said, (laughs) I always wondered, like, I know this isn't about Sugartown. What's it about? And then now we know it's about kids in L.A. taking acid,
1: which,
2: again, leads to this weird strangeness of her songs because... you, okay, you expect the Jefferson Airplane or someone like that to, to have overt songs about drugs. You don't expect squeaky clean, seeming on the outside Nancy Sinatra to to be having these songs. But Ex- she
1: did. <laughs> exactly. And she knew, and even if she wasn't the one writing the lyrics, she knew what she was singing about. Like, it's it's clear that Nancy's not just, like, this, like, innocent person who was fed lyrics that she spit out without thinking about. Because then, like, a song like Boots doesn't happen, Right. She was clearly active in her own career.
2: And I think to Lee and Nancy in the beginning, he was writing the songs, but pretty quickly Lee and Nancy are performing the songs together. So, They're they're more like they're functioning as a band versus just the thing of, hey, I'm a songwriter, sing my song. It's very much the two of them working together. And there's you can find these floating around online, but there's a bunch of cool um, talkback tapes. And I know, you know, for people who don't know when you're recording in a studio, talkback is where the producer can talk on a microphone to whoever's performing and there's talk back takes of them busting each other's chops and talking about you know how songs should be arranged and stuff so there's a bunch of that so you can you can hear that this was a a band kind of relationship
1: that they had i love that you get a little bit of that in a song we're going to talk about a little later that i think is a little more scripted than that but still kind of has that energy yes Uh, that's not the next song that we're going to talk about though the next song is
0: Strawberries, cherries and an angel's kissing spring, my summer wine is real. summer wine
3: When I woke up the sun was shining in my eyes My silver spurs were gone My head felt twice its size She took my silver
2: This, to me, is where the undeniable, absolute weirdness of Lee and Nancy starts. Like, this, to me, okay, it's strange before, like, Bang Bang is strange, Sugartown is strange, but now Lee and Nancy are a group. Or actually, properly, they're Nancy and Lee. Mm -hmm. So they're recording together, and they're both singing on these songs. And so it takes a completely different turn, and... This song I find incredibly fascinating because it's almost done as a story where they're passing it off from one another. So Nancy does a verse and then Lee does a verse and back and forth and they're connected. But they're telling a story and each of their sections sounds completely different than the other. Um, and not just because of their voice. I mean, everything changes the instrumentation, you know, every, every bit of it. Um, and they each have a very specific, bizarre, um, story angle that they're telling. Like Lee is some kind of mystical cowboy and Nancy seems to be playing some kind of goddess or like wood nymph I'm not really sure I think that's kind of the story that's happening here
1: it's yeah it's I hadn't this is of of the songs that you're sharing today I think this is the one I was least familiar with so I hadn't really spent I'm thinking about it and I'm just looking now and it yeah there's no it's so weird because he does get more of like a narrative as a person I walked into town like that's you know that's something somebody is doing, but Nancy's, Nancy's character is just this like weird floating kind of, yeah, like ethereal, weird little, and even in, I Bethereal. think. Bethereal. What's did you say? Bethereal?
2: <laughs> Bethereal. That's
1: right. Yeah. I'm not going to explain that for anybody. They'll have to listen to New Jersey is the world.
2: And maybe we'll, we're, maybe I'm going too far down the, literary rabbit hole here but I think you and I can can do that which is I almost think this is sort of has like an odyssey vibe to it Mm -hmm. and what I mean is you have Lee Hazelwood he's sort of this cowboy and he walks into town and he meets this you know this sprite this spirit who gives him this you know potion which is the summer wine and it's made from strawberries but it's also made from spring and angel's kisses and he (laughs) drinks it and after he drinks it right he sort of falls into this other world which is where the story is kind of like how you know that sort of starts to happen in in the odyssey yeah it's uh
1: the lotus eaters uh section of the odyssey i think is the one that we're about but uh but yeah that is it does have that kind of kind of like almost like a lazy spiraling feel especially the way those lyrics trade back and forth but how repetitive they are um it it is kind of like i don't know if entrancing entrancing did i make that up that's the right word
2: no entrancing yeah yeah, that's a good word for this Um, and then you know the punchline is and then Towards the end of the song, she robs him. So, you know, she she, she took his spurs, a dollar and a dime, leaving <laughs> Cowboy Lee Hazelwood spurless and broke. But again, going back to, you know, Nancy's thing, like, well, I'm not going to be the person who loses in this situation. Mm-hmm. No, I'm making off with your spurs and the small amount of money that you have.
1: That's so good. I can't stress, I'm going to say it every song, but just her... And her characters, I guess, in the song's unwillingness to be like the passive um figure in 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 her career and in these songs is so fascinating. I love it so much
2: I mean that it you can even it even comes through I think when you know if you go to your favorite evil video internet streaming channel and look <laughs> up videos of sorry I feel like I have to say that every time um of Nancy Sinatra, you can see she looks different than other people look and she very much is the center of her own thing. Even when even when she's being interviewed on those sort of popular 60s talk shows that were all still very much like good girl, good girl, like mm-hmm. she's, you know, coming through as her her own thing very clearly.
1: I wonder I think you and I are both uninterested in talking about Frank Sinatra very much. Um <laughs> Yes. But I I don't even know that much about their relationship, I just realized. But I wonder what growing up, the child of someone like him who really did run his show to, you know, I guess literally and also figuratively, what that does for for someone like Nancy.
2: It couldn't have been easy. Yeah. Right? To be Frank Sinatra's kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, he... I mean, right, by by all accounts, he was not an easy person to get along with. Um, he very much had his own set point of view. And then I think it probably was even more difficult for her because when she got into the music industry, she was signed to the same label that Frank Sinatra was at that point, which I might be wrong, but I think was reprised. Mm-hmm. And so again, you know, she's coming in as not her own person at that point. She's Frank Sinatra's kid. So that's, you know, um, must have been super awkward for her.
1: Yeah, right. I wonder if that puts, I feel like you could, that could go either way, right? Because you, I could imagine being very self-conscious about that fact um, and then therefore wanting to really prove that your places deserve it there, which it clearly was. Um, but I also wonder if it also puts a little like – maybe this is me just kind of like Jersey spiraling, but family having the like kind of backing of of somebody like that might also make you feel a little more confident. And it's probably a complicated dynamic in general is, is my guess. I wonder too
2: just because of geography how much they even saw each other because I think Nancy was – Born in Jersey City, grew up in Hasbrook Heights, which is uh, Bergen County <laughs> in North Jersey. Um, and I think, great, right, Frank Sinatra spent a huge amount of time in Vegas and Palm Springs. I know that Nancy Sinatra eventually moved out to California too, but I wonder maybe he just wasn't around. He was right. too busy doing all that stuff that he did. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I mean, definitely by the time she was old enough to really be aware of it, he would have been into that part of his career for sure. So, yeah, now that we're deep in uh, Frank Sinatra's history, I think now's maybe a good time to take a break. Uh, We will hear from some of our other Night Shift Media shows and then we'll be right back with Mike D and some more Nancy Sinatra.
0: Love. Gave me life. look at us but do not touch how she made it in.
1: you're still listening to left of the dial i'm still your host mike d is still with us and we're still talking about nancy sinatra wanna let people know what song they listen to coming back from break
2: some velvet morning by nancy and lee which i think Andrea and I both agree that this is the pinnacle of strangeness uh, for Nancy and Lee. I mean, this is the one. If you're only going to listen to mm-hmm. one song, please make it this one.
1: What is... I think my question is just what? <laughs> like...
2: This is another one of those songs um, similar to Summer Wine where it does the, the two-person narrative thing where Nancy and Lee each grab a part. But this one gets even odder because instead of just trading verses at one point they start trading lines with each other um and they don't really connect in any way that i can understand even though you know i've I've heard this song more times than i can possibly count Mm -hmm. so they're each you know i think the, the one part is like uh Lee is like some velvet morning when I'm straight. Nancy says flowers growing on a hill. I'm going to open up your gate. Lee, Nancy, dragonflies and daffodils. So it all rhymes and fits together, but the connection is hard to distinguish here.
1: Yeah, (laughs) What is going on? And, you know, we talked about there being a a kind of um, way to read Summer Wine as like there being a little bit of a literary illusion there maybe. Here it's really direct. It's more Greek mythology but it doesn't really match up with the story that's being told here. Or I guess it's even hard to say story here.
2: No. And also that's what always struck me as even odder about this song is Phaedra is third tier Greek mythology. I mean, this is (laughs) right. This is classic major classics, major stuff. This is not even, I'm a casual fan of Greek mythology. This is, you know rabbit hole stuff. yeah
1: because like as a kid i had all the greek mythology books i always joke like if you're a queer woman now you had a library of greek mythology books when you were a kid and this was not again one that i have at the ready and and so i went to to read up on it a little bit and it's about um just for for listeners (laughs) i'm stealing this directly from wikipedia and it is a uh complicated and there's not even like a really like concrete version that people kind of consider as the version. But the basics is that Phaedra had like some desire for her stepson and he like rejected her and she was so embarrassed that she had him that she flipped the story and accused him of of coming onto her. And then that led to his death. And then she killed herself, you know, as as most Greek uh, myths go. as they do. (laughs) But that's not. And so then I went back to look at these lyrics expecting this to line up. But that's not what's happening here. Because the line is Phaedra. Maybe tell you about Phaedra and how she gave me life. But the whole point of that story is that Phaedra isn't his mother. Like, she's very clearly.
2: Right. His his stepmother. His stepmother. And. And then at the end of the song that piggybacks right on that, there's like, it, it's almost hard to hear because they're fading the channel down. But, and then Lee says, and how she made it end. It's almost like a whispered, and how she made it end. Mm-hmm. So that too doesn't fit with the story here, right? Unless, because that would be the male voice is not the person who takes their own life in this story. It's Phaedra. Right.
1: It's just all very. And then
2: to the opening, even some velvet morning when I'm straight, you know, I I always, you know, is it a, is it a hangover song? You know, what, what, what is, or is he just permanently not straight? Is something else going on here? Like, what is it? Yeah. It's just so mysterious to me.
1: Yeah. That's kind of how I have thought of it. Of like, one morning I'm going to wake up a little more clear headed and kind of tell you my, my history, like what my story is, but, but what? (laughs) <laughs> Clearly, it's not that morning. Which is, I mean, I guess he tells us flat out this isn't the morning. It's some other morning. This is not the velvet morning that you're looking for. You know. Um, also, I'm gonna open up your gate is such a weird. It's it's not a saying, <laughs> like, but N- no, right? it's not. That's not. I.
2: That was always the sex part of the song to me. But right. It... That was how I read that.
1: Right, right. So are they? But then, does that imply that this this isn't? uh, Because I, I, maybe I'm reading too much, or I don't know. Maybe there's not enough here. I'd already read them as a couple who was already involved. Two people, like to me, they're waking up in bed together, right? Um, And so, in that way, I would think her (laughs) the gate had already been opened, but maybe not. But then look at us, but do not touch. Huh. Hmm. That's
2: the, that's <laughs> the part that gets odd too. Look at us, but do not that, that's why I always feel like again, similar to Summer Wine, we're almost dealing with two different planes mm-hmm. of existence in yeah. this pop song, right? That Lee's, you know, person is somewhere and he's hungover and then Nancy's character is somewhere else and again is nancy's character phaedra or is it not phaedra you know it's kind of ambiguous in that way
1: right i've just kind of assumed these are two people talking to each other but there's no we don't it could be anybody at that point yeah and the flowers are the things we know secrets are the things we grow fascinating i have no clue i wonder if they know yeah
2: (laughs) i'm sure that um yeah I mean Nancy is still around. Lee passed away a few years ago, mm. but I bet I'm sure um we could maybe we can reach out to Nancy and see if she'd give us an explanation. She seems to be um extremely happy to talk about this period of her music. Is that which I've seen true yes um, and a lot of this stuff, this music has actually like um is actually starting to be reissued. For a long time it was really hard to find this stuff and just in the last like couple of years it's now um, it's now being put out and some of it's being put out in like really nice vinyl editions and all
1: that. We, I mean we should either 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 podcast. I don't care where she wants to come. She can either come talk about it on the Jersey show or on the music show. But we should. I
2: think she'd be a great, great fit. I mean, that would be one of my Ultimate.
1: That would be amazing. We'd have know, to shut the show down. Ultimate after that. gets.
2: <laughs> it would be done because it, it could never get any better Great. than than that. The thing about "Some Velvet Morning" is musically, this is a pretty complex song. So what happens is the when Lee is singing, it's kind of a more you know sl- almost dirty rock pop song with a beat. And then when the Nancy vocal part comes in, it switches to this kind of ethereal ethereal light kind of plucky strings arpeggio type thing. Mm -hmm. And they go back and forth. But then when you get to that final section at the end where they're actually trading lines, so um, what's interesting there is it actually switches from each of those musical styles line for line. So you're basically getting, you know, whatever it is, four bars of Lee and that, you know, kind of dirty pop song and then four bars oh. and Nancy and the ethereal plucking. Mm-hmm. That's something you don't hear at all in pop songs to have things switch that quickly and that often. Right. Because it goes against everything a pop song should be um, musically.
1: Yeah. And again, to be doing it. So sort of like what I'm not sure what year this would have been 68. Yeah. It, to be so kind of like, I hate ahead of its time because that doesn't really mean anything, but to be doing something so like, if somebody were doing that now, it would be like, well, we've kind of, we've done all the things there are to do. So like, let's, let's see what this does. Um, But it's, it's another kind of like confidence in songwriting and in just kind of being weird. And I would have, I'd love to hear how that came together, how they worked out, like,
2: Me too. And I wonder, the question I've always had in my mind listening to this is when they put together that section where they're switching line for line, did they, because they were definitely recording on analog tape, Mm -hmm. on two inch tape, did they splice that together? Or did the musicians, were they just so good that they could literally switch one style to the other every whatever it is, four bars, eight bars and do that? I mean, either one of those would be an impressive way to pull that off. But I'm just, I've always thought about that. Like, how was that made?
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's really fascinating. Like you said, it's impressive either way, but I don't know which way to be impressed as like a technological kind of like feat or just as, as you know, uh, musicianship.
2: Yeah, because they, um, yeah, there was no Pro Tools <laughs> when this was recorded. So that those edits were either done by hand or done live by musicians.
1: Right, well, and you'd think to f- to like figure out whether or not it was going to work, it would be, that would be so much work to do post like for it not to So I don't that's just this is a recording you'd love to be in the room for that's all
2: yeah I wonder where this was recorded I'm really I, I'm really curious actually to see where uh it was recorded at Capitol in, in Los Angeles okay w- which makes sense because Capitol Studios where Billy Strange and the Wrecking Crew would work out of all okay. the time I mean that's where a lot of you know pet sounds. You know some of it was recorded there, so very much that's that makes sense. That would be where. Do you know the uh, the infamous advice that Lee gave to Nancy when they started their partnership?
1: I don't think Have so. Heard- this is kind of so. a famous
2: a famous quote. So when when Nancy first started, she put out one or two songs that were. You know, super super generic pop, um, and they sound exactly like you would have thought, like an you know, an early sixties pop song would. She starts working with Lee, and he tells her that she needs to start singing in a way lower register, and he tells her that she needs to sing like a fourteen year old girl who fucks truck drivers. <laughs>
1: would be like like a truck driver like if you want someone to sing lower what? yes that doesn't i don't know what maybe lee doesn't know that much about fucking truck drivers but like that doesn't necessarily change the register of your of your voice but i get but i kind of it's another knowing that honestly opens up a lot about the lyrics too because that doesn't really make sense but it does make sense like it doesn't make literal sense but i get it
2: it's just one of those things that you like that quote i've heard floating around like you know being around musicians and so and stuff for a, for a long time um the other weird thing about this song too is the time change right because i think lee's part is in 4/4 four, four, and then nancy singing in 3/4 so again it's i i mean again i'm not the world's greatest musician but Switching time signatures mid-song in in a song that's moving that quickly is tough. I think. I mean, right. that's you know, you've got to you got to be a good player to do that.
1: Well, and even for I'm not a musician. I have no right to even be hosting this podcast, as I say every week. But it hasn't stopped me yet. And just even as a listener, that is like you have to put in a little more work. You know what I mean? To so listen to that because your brain is set up for patterns, and so to to switch that up on a listener. Um, it's, you know, it's, it just. I think it takes a lot more mental energy in a good way. Like you should be, or not should be because whatever. But it is. It's an interesting kind of uh, experience for for the listener too. This is barely, barely, barely related. But now all I'm thinking about is the uh, the singing in the lower register thing. Have you have you watched the Dropout at all yet? Or are you familiar? No,
2: I have not. But I. I'm very familiar with the story and her, you know, the thing she did with her voice. Absolutely. Elizabeth yeah. Holmes.
1: And I wonder, I guess, I, I mean, we have we Nancy's speaking voice. I mean, it's on one of these tracks. But I wonder, and obviously singing is different than walking around, like, speaking, but – just with that being, I mean, we talked about it so much in last week's episode because we, we talked about the soundtrack for The Dropout last week um, with Jay Jollis. And it's it's so interesting to think about what that does for the listener, too, when you are kind of poised to hear and expect a certain sound coming out of somebody and then you do get um, something different like, like this.
2: <laughs> like that very, uh, like affected deep voice that she yeah that elizabeth i mean holmes,
1: for elizabeth holmes speaking. it is it is so over the top and nancy it just sounds like is using like a lower part of her voice that she's comfortable in so the, so it's different but um it's just it's a funny bit of timing
2: perfect time to talk about it
1: we don't have to talk about elizabeth holmes for another hour as much as i would um like to i knew like very little about that case going into the show but this is not a television podcast, so.
2: I I knew a bit about that just because that's the industry that I work in, um, and so it was it was the hot the hot gossip that everyone wanted to. This to is talk where I'm going to find out. For, you were like for in
1: the room when she decided to start. You you were like you know Lee told Nancy that if she spoke in a lower voice.
2: No, but you know what I will say is, there's five thousand more Theranoses out there floating around that people just haven't pulled the card on yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all, and that I know firsthand.
1: And I, I believe I need so little information to believe that to 100% be true. Yeah, like it's just
2: not. It's right. not a revelation. I think she got. I think part of it is I think she got a bit of a raw deal on the one hand because there's so many companies that make products that aren't real and fail and they just kind of stumble on until they succeed. But I think the other part where I think the reason that they went after her so hard though is she was messing with the medical system, Mm -hmm. which I think is one of those things. It's like, well, you know, you're not – a a 15 minute grocery delivery app that's delivering groceries in 30 minutes. You're telling people they don't have cancer when they do. And I think that's a different type of regulation that she brought on herself.
1: I think that's probably true. And it's also, I mean, the, you know, the medical industry in general is fucked at, at every level in a kind of different way. But the second you start pulling strings loose on one of them, it, you know, can expose a lot more who have... Uh, I would say my guess is way more like money and also years and layers of protection that because she was in such a hurry to get where she was, she just didn't have time to establish. And so I think that's probably also, and not to whatever because she, I'm not defending Elizabeth Holmes, but she was also a young blonde woman talking in a in a silly voice. Like she's just easier to push back on in general. I think.
2: I mean, this will get me in trouble, but I don't really care because no one <laughs> really knows who I am. But Silicon Valley is every shitty asshole you went to high school with, with like a zillion dollars. And again, like I know that because I have to <laughs> deal with those people. Um, so yeah, that's what it is. So it's like, yeah, you're in, your instinct is totally correct that, yeah, it's not – it's not – you know, she would be ostracized because she is like, yeah, a blonde woman. Mm-hmm. That is a thing,
1: right? Right. Uh, so, I, this is a perfect time. We have one more song to talk about, and we'll we'll send our listeners out on it. So we'll talk about that after we do all of the the housekeeping. It's a perfect time to say if you're listening to Mike D kind of speak vaguely about his career listeners and and getting a kick out of that, you will love New Jersey is the World because one of my favorite uh, developments of the show is just listening for when Mike says some wild shit that just we just kind of move along with. There's I I say there's like a moment in every episode where you drop something as if it's totally a normal fact that everybody just... uh, (laughs) Knows and accepts, and then everybody else kind of has to record scratch deal deal with that. Um, and you can hear more of, this is the first time I've had to like explain the podcast. As usually I just say, you know, uh, Chris Gethard has a collection of podcasts. I co-host one of them, but we're a little more, are we using network? Is it time? How do we want to? I
2: guess we can say podcast network
1: podcast network I mean (laughs) we
2: we qualify we have (laughs) enough shows right I mean
1: (laughs) how many how many shows at least two you need at least two
2: I think Uh, we have six
1: it depends on how you count them right because Wotown and Deep Dive yeah I would say it depends
2: (laughs) yes depends on how you count them
1: but yeah if you want to hear more of of Mike D you can head over to our podcast Network slash collective slash project slash other things because we don't just do podcasts. We also do live shows and it's a little bit of everything at this point, but you can find it all at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Um, If you want to listen for free, you can find a good handful of our shows at any podcast catcher of your choice. I co-host South Jersey is also the world. Usually this is where we would drop our guest social media handles, but you don't have those, so
2: I have no social media <laughs> handles. Nope. You're,
1: you're so brave.
2: I have nothing to plug.
1: Well, you've got plenty to plug because you're part of our active, robust, again, network slash collective slash whatever we are. Yes.
2: You can uh you can hear me on Wotown as the uh as the least popular member of <laughs> New Jersey is the world. <laughs>
1: I don't think that's true, but but I feel like you like you want that to be true. I feel like you sleep better at night if if you're thinking that people aren't thinking about what you're saying after you're done talking. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm I definitely
2: okay with it. I'm definitely okay with it, but I would say, you know, Chris is a legitimate celebrity and,
1: <laughs> and Bonaduce
2: has developed quite a cult following. <laughs> well, and you have two. You have multiple podcasts, so I think, yeah, that puts me at the bottom. Oh, and and also Don is also a successful actor, so that leaves me at the bottom, it
1: is, which like I'm it,
2: totally comfortable with. I don't
1: with. think having more, I hope that this just turns into who's the least, I don't think having more podcasts is actually a point for, although I guess just by sheer numbers, then maybe there are a few more people who hear me on a weekly basis, but I feel like it's actually a point against me. Um that, that I insist on being recorded so often. What a what a weird. Anyway, you can find me here every week. You can find me on various New Jersey is the World projects. Um, I'm at AQ Andrea Q on everything. And Left of the Dial has two really great live sessions coming up. Um, we have full Bush in the house on March 26th. And on April 9th. We have Take Today. So yeah, now that we got all of that out of the way, we can talk about Nancy's, the last song um, of Nancy Sinatra that you've brought to talk about today, which is Got It Together.
2: Um, this is more of a straight pop number, but what's interesting about it is it has a bunch of banter, very informal banter between Lee and Nancy. And Again, this this kind of brings me back to the top of the show. We were talking about Bang Bang is there's, you know, something kind of crazy in the tension going on in this song, right? Like uh, is, you know, Nancy – is Lee telling Nancy what to do? Is Nancy telling Lee what to do? You know, we don't really know. But there's this one moment in this song where um, I, th- I believe Lee says – or Nancy says, I've been good and I've been mean. And then Lee says, and I've been looking for a Coke machine. And he makes a loud snorting yes. noise in the song, which is kind of wild. Um, and I always – every time I hear it, it makes me laugh.
1: It's so funny because the the like trick slash joke or whatever of it would be to not make the snorting sound. It would be to like say Coke machine and listeners think, oh, does he mean Coke because it's like – we have precedent now for other songs being about drugs and stuff. So it's clearly a subject they're comfortable singing about, but he just flat out, he's like, no, 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 just to be clear. I'm I'm not talking about like soda.
2: I'm right. I'm talking about, (laughs) I'm talking about narcotics when I talk about
1: this. So funny. Just. There's
2: a version, there's a cover version of, of this song by um, Jarvis Cocker. Who is the singer of Pulp? Mm-hmm. And I think it's Sarah Cracknell, who's the singer of one of my favorite bands, Saint Etienne. Um, and he also does he does an even more exaggerated version of the snorting sound just in their in cover of it. Just I feel like he, you know, nodded to the producer to just per- turn that channel way up when I when I hit this <laughs> sound. So
1: that's so that's so funny. What a and and not. I guess I mean I guess no choice is necessary necessarily but so funny to lean into that this is also I just have been stuck on the I've been out working for a girl named Sue line because so so yeah so this was after a boy named Sue and I know like I got a girl named Sue like that's a lyric in a song before this for sure um looks like I'm looking at the year for this. Yeah, it would have been a uh, girl named Sue is 64, so that reference, and then Johnny Cash's boy named Sue to follow after that. And the reason that I had Johnny Cash on the brain in the first place is this song feels very to me, a lot to me, like um Johnny and June kind of trading off back and forth. You know, if that there's like that kind of dynamic.
2: That that does make sense. The other connection for that is. Lee was he was Dwayne Eddy's uh, producer for a long time. Okay. Who's a very cool <clears throat> kind of early rock and roll rockabilly guitar guy. Has some great songs, but he has a really famous song called "Sue City Sue." I mean, we might just be pulling the string a little too far here, but you never but know.
1: We could do again. This is where <laughs> this is where you go from talking about songs written by real people um, to and then handing them to two people with two like literary minded people, because I'm not really thinking about what it could actually mean, what the real history might be, just what I think is interesting. And so like uh,
2: there's interpreting.
1: Exactly. That's it's fine. There's an argument to be made um, that, that, that I've been working a girl named Sue line has, has uh, a variety a multiple, a multiplicity of interpretations available to it. So I think that's,
2: There's that funny line, too, where um, Nancy says after that line, I've been doing what my daddy told me to, and then Lee kind of half-quietly says into the microphone, you better. (laughs) Like, you better. (laughs) Okay. That's why these songs are so great, because you might get one of those lines in another pop song, but you're never going to get the snorting sound. You're never going to get the you better. And. The ending of this song is just, to me, the most endearing thing in the world because it's maybe 45, 60 seconds of Nancy and Lee talking to each other, um, you know, just kind of talking about the, re- the recording process. I forget the exact question he asks her. I'd have to listen back to it, but it's something like... You know what do you wish would happen next? And Nancy says, "I wish we would record another record." And then she's like, "I wish that you would tune your guitar." <laughs> and you can clearly hear that his guitar is real, <laughs> like m- real out of tune at that point.
1: Yeah, it's there. It's it's a bit like they're they're definitely just kind of like joking back and forth, but it's also it's it's very real. It's it's
2: a sincere bit. Yeah, it's you and know, then it's,
1: it, it gets very those last couple of lines they do that back and forth she makes fun of him because his guitar is out of tune they talk about like whether or not um she wants to have she says she wants some babies they go back and forth they talk about his kids right and i think yeah um and then at the end he says uh you know she says which i love she says i wish everybody would be quiet and nice um which is is very just kind of like sweet and also i get it but then it it Goes on and, and he says, like, and don't throw rocks, don't shoot guns, and come home safe because we miss you. Because yeah. this was, again, 19, 1972. Oh. So thinking about so, Vietnam, like.
2: End of Vietnam, yeah.
1: how just just for this, like, sweet, silly song to take that turn at the end is really kind of, um, I guess, bittersweet.
2: <laughs> In, it, I, I wanted to end with this song because. This is almost, you know, sign off and life advice from Nancy and Lee, which is, it's all really good advice, right? Don't throw rocks, (laughs) come home safe, be quiet. Be
1: quiet and nice.
2: (laughs) Be quiet and nice. That is my, that is the thing that I live by. Be quiet and nice, like all for it.
1: I don't think there's a better, there's a better way to end than, than on that note. But, but genuinely this was. So fun.
2: This is extremely fun for me.
1: I'll be talking to you on another podcast in so soon.
2: <laughs> Possibly tomorrow. <laughs> Probably. I just want everyone else out there to be quiet, be nice, and don't throw rocks.
1: Don't throw rocks. Come home safe. <laughs>
2: oh. Come home safe, everyone. 1, 2,
3: 3, 4,
0: 5,
3: 6, 7, 8, 9, 1, 2, one, two 3, 4, 5,
0: 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. That's a count off. <laughs>
3: Oh, suffer along, Jerry Reed, cause Hazelwood's pickin' tonight.
0: Oh. Would you tell me when?
3: Uh-huh, now. Been out and what we had to do, now we got it together again. Been out doin' what we had to do, now we got it together again. What
0: you been doing?
3: I've been working for a girl named Sue. Oh,
0: I've been doing what my daddy told me to. You better been out doing what we had to do. Now
3: we got it together again. Been out doing what we had to do. Now we got it together again. Been out doing what we had to do. Now we
0: we Got it together again. Guess what? I've been good and I've been mean.
3: And I've been looking for a coke machine.
0: Then I'll do what we had to do now we got it together again. Then I'll do what we had to do now we got it together again.
3: Well it's uh, it's about Well folks, it's about end of the album time. (laughs) It's wish time. You've been such a good girl on the album and everything else, and sang the songs and didn't throw many rocks or anything like that, that you get some wishes. You want some wishes? Uh Uh-huh. What do you want a wishes?
0: I wish you'd tune your guitar. Uh,
3: Well, next album. Next album?
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay, then I wish wish, um, we can do another album.
3: That's not a bad wish. I wish that... uh, Whoever it is up there in the big guitar land in the sky would give Howdy Doody back to the people. I miss Howdy Doody.
0: I do, too. I remember him. Sing
3: a little Howdy Doody. It's song. Howdy
0: Doody time. Oh, yeah. It's Howdy Doody time. That's good.
3: I like Howdy Doody.
0: Um, you know what I wish? What? I wish that um, that we'd quit getting so old.
3: Tisk tisk.
0: Well, we're, we're getting, we're the oldest, no, no, I won't even say it.
3: Teeny bumpers? Yeah. In the world? Mm-hmm. Seventy-two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Seventy-two? No, that's the next album. No,
3: if you add us together. Oh.
0: How old are you? Huh? How old are you?
3: Well, time this is out, I'll be forty-two.
0: Forty-two? Right. And I'm thirty.
3: Right. That's seventy-two, any way you add it up.
0: I think that's awful. It's good. Good, no, be good. yeah. Good.
3: Any other wishes?
0: Wishes? Um, babies.
3: You want some babies? Mm-hmm. You have two already. Yeah, I have two. I want some. Babies? I've got two giants.
0: You yeah, Mark babies? and Debbie. Yeah,
3: pretty giants.
0: Pretty, pretty. Yeah.
3: And, uh, any other?
0: Um, I wish everybody would be quiet and nice. Yeah.
3: And don't throw rocks.
0: Yeah.
3: And don't shoot guns. Right. And come home safe. Right. Because we miss you. Yeah. Nancy? Hmm? Are we through? Mm-hmm. Can I go back to Sweden?
0: Oh, all right, partner. Bye.
3: Hey, Doe.